0: CJBK, Jim Chapman here along with my friends Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, and it's nice to see both of you together. Nice for the three of us to be here. It's been a long time. All times, yeah. yeah. a reunion yeah. here. Yeah. Well, welcome to both of them. Thank you. Um, to both of you. Uh, and welcome to those of you who are listening, perhaps have just joined us for this portion of the program. This traditionally is a part of the show where we get people from differing political backgrounds um, to differ. <laughs> but, well, you know, I mean, it's b- basically, that's, that's sort of what it's all about. Um, some days we have very specific issues and topics that we deal with. Other days, we've we've uh, taken advantage of my various guests to kind of explore issues of the day in general. Today, I want to do a little of both of those things. Uh, each of my guests, I know, has very strong feelings about this but i want to see if we can uh, 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 maybe uncover some new truths here i was uh, last night watching very briefly the uh, a news report from the united states of some of the demonstrations taking place outside of the of the democratic convention and uh, there was the usual suspects ranting and raving about the usual things but there was one young person who was talking about the disparity uh, the wealth disparity in american society Nothing new. We've heard this a thousand times before. The rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. But as I watched this young person, I was moved to ask myself the question, if I were that individual, because at first I thought, you know, here again, usual suspects. I thought, no, think back to when you were that age. Would you have been there? Probably not. I probably would have been inside the building if, if I was going to try to make any changes at all. I would have been trying to be part of the process. It's just the way I am. I suppose for a second, Jim, that, that you were that young person. You were standing out there on the street and you were looking around you and you really believe that the rich are getting richer and there's lots of evidence to suggest that and the poor are getting poorer and in the United States in particular, but to a certain extent in Canada, there is some evidence to suggest that too. And this young person was saying that we just don't... We were reach, Words to this effect that we're reaching the we, meaning the American people, are reaching the point where we're just not going to take it anymore. It just doesn't make sense, it isn't fair, and at that point the the commentator came in and that was that and I changed the channel. I'd like to ask each of you gentlemen what you think would happen if this young person is correct, that the American people are reaching a point where they're saying we've got to do something. We don't know what we're going to do. We have to do something. This disparity has the potential to tear our country apart which is what many people who are protesting on there believe. Uh, there are people in Canada who believe the same thing. This this growing gap we keep hearing about between the rich and the poor has the potential to tear our society apart. And Jeffrey, I'd like to start with you. I, I guess two questions. How far do you think the Americans or us are from this kind of social outrage to such an extent that, that we will see some change? And what do you think that change might be? How how How... How do we address that problem if, indeed, the majority of people start to believe it is a problem?
1: Well, I guess uh, I, I think we're a long ways from, from the average person being sort of at the point of not going to take it anymore, uh, and partly because uh, things are going well for the average person right now. And I think that uh, the average uh, working person, for instance, sees that, well, you know, uh, they're getting raises uh, most years now, uh, so people are not are not screaming for blood or anything else. Although I think that, realistically, there's a pendulum that that swings back and forth, and I think about, for instance, in the last hundred years, that there were times when I think people perceived that, uh, again, the rich were were getting too rich and the poor were getting too poor, and there would be a a countervailing movement to that. I'm thinking, for instance, of the 30s and uh, how sort of the New Deal and Roosevelt and those guys came in. Post-war, um, there was sort of a move to, uh, to have a lot more social programs in the States that were followed in Canada uh, up to the 70s, I guess, really. Um, and, and to me, it is this sort of pendulum will swing back and forth. So I think that our political process sort of takes that into consideration uh, and will sort of wave back and forth. I don't think anybody seriously disagrees that, uh, that this disparity is increasing. Um, I think where people disagree is whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, because lots of people argue that it's a good thing to have this uh, increasing disparity because our most productive people are being rewarded uh, more fully. It allows them more uh, sort of economic levers to do more things.
2: there's my argument. I don't have to say too much, so what do I do now? (laughs) Rich and poor are absolutely relative terms only. They, They mean nothing in and of themselves. In fact, even the federal government of Canada is starting to delete the word poor and poverty from its books because it has no meaning, and they're replacing it with other words that have no meaning. But nevertheless, they know that this one doesn't, and it doesn't work with the public anymore. Um, It depends why the disparity exists. If the disparity exists within an element of freedom and an element uh, in a free market economy, then it's probably a good thing. If the disparity exists in a sort of a Soviet-style country, then it's probably a bad thing because the reason for the disparity would be political oppression, where the, where, where the government is taxing its citizens and the elite all work for the government and that's where the rich are. In a free society, the rich are amongst us. They're the, the Bill Gates, the average guy who, who, who made it big. And the fact that he made it big didn't make anybody poorer. In fact, if it did anything to anybody around him, it made them richer as well. So that you know, if you're poor and let's say poor means zero just for the sake of argument, you got mm-hmm. you got nothing. Well, it doesn't matter how many more rich people there are, nothing is still nothing. And and the more rich people there are, the greater the gap. As long as 'cause the bottom can always stay at the zero if, line, whereas the top can go infinitely. But what if you are that guy at the bottom? I
0: mean well, what, then, what if you're looking around you and saying, uh you know, for, and not, not, let's not say the guy at the bottom, but the guy who's struggling, who's Whatever, working yeah. 50, 60 hours a week, not making a lot of money. Uh, you know, he's having a tough time getting by. And meanwhile, he sees Bill Gates drive by and is, with his fleet of Rolls Royces um, and asks himself the question, does Bill Gates need a fleet of Rolls Royces when I have to walk to work?
2: Well, that's an irrational question to ask himself. And if he's thinking like that, he's going to stay right where he is the rest of his life. Why so? Because that attitude reflects right away that he doesn't think he's capable of doing anything, that he hasn't got any ideas to offer the marketplace, and that the only way he's going to get something is by taking it from someone else. That kind of person we don't even want in society. Well, maybe
0: he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't have anything to offer. Maybe he's a, a person of modest intelligence, a hardworking guy, uh, is putting food on the table for his family. Well, but then he's got something to offer. Yeah, but it's what he has to offer is only going to return
2: mm-hmm.
0: a very modest returns. It's the choice
2: all of us make, don't we?
0: I mean, we don't uh, make a choice as to how intelligent we are. We don't make a choice you know, as to how we
2: can who always, our parents are. We can always decide what our priorities are going to be. Um, you know, some people make money their priority. Other people make their their personal lifestyle their priority, and money is secondary. And we we are in a rich enough society where most people can do that if they're not, you know fighting to keep up with the Joneses, which is part of the whole envy upon envy upon envy kind of approach, which I don't really think is what exists. I think that, uh, you know, the average person wants to live comfortably, you know, the average guy wants to provide for his wife and family, wants to do all those things that are called, quote, the American way of living, um, I just call it the freedom way of living. That's, that's how, what people would do.
0: Left, right, and center with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlimmer, If you'd like to join the discussion this morning, you're more than welcome. Six four three twelve ninety is our telephone number, star 1290 on the Rogers AT&T Cellular. Jeff, I want to ask you about the people who continually um, talk about taxing the rich as being an answer to this solution, or an answer to this problem, rather, a solution to this problem. Um, we never—they never seem to be able to tell you exactly who the rich are, other than those big corporations. Um, but that's, that's a line that, and Bob made reference earlier to poor and poverty being two words that are sort of fading from common currency. Do you think that sort of slogan is fading as well? Do you think there's the kind of support for that idea that there was, say, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago? Well, I guess it depends on whether people sort of pay
1: attention to the ball or not, and uh, it's been interesting to see this debate being raised uh, notably, I guess, in Alberta and also by the Alliance Party about uh, progressive taxation and how that this is an inherently unfair concept, and I'd, I'd be interested to find something about the history as to how the income tax uh, system became progressive. I, was it always that way? I guess income tax started right at, in World War One, I, I believe. I Temporary yeah. measure, by the way.
2: Yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, It kind well, of began progressive because it only taxed the very highest levels of, of society. Most people were exempt. Okay, well, this is what I don't know about, and I don't know what the
1: rationale was for that in World War One, for instance, uh, as to how it happened, although I guess from my end of it, one of the things that I would suggest is that a problem we have in our society is that we don't have a level playing field for a lot of people and uh, you know, we talk about whether the increasing disparity between rich and poor is a a good thing or a bad thing. I, I of course, think it's a very bad thing. Uh, But I also think that it's part of the reason it's bad is because We have a society that is, uh, that, again, where the deck is stacked in so many ways in favor of the haves. Things are so much easier for them, so much easier for them in terms of raising their children. Uh, they, have, they have much longer lifespans right off the bat. We look at infant mortality in the United States. So it's one of the highest rates of infant mortality in, in the uh, industrialized world. Not among wealthy babies, but poor babies. If you have a baby in the States and you're poor, chances are much higher that it's going to not survive there uh, than if you're wealthy. Uh, Education is Another example, health growing up generally. Uh, there are so many opportunities available to the rich that give them a head start off the bat that to me that makes it a, an unfair race. Well, you
2: make it sound like they started at the head start. Now, what if they well, started right at the point zero where everybody did and they just got ahead because they did the right things, they made the right decisions, they made the right investments. Yeah. Maybe they were lucky, maybe they were smart. Maybe It's a
1: question of how lot many of generations
2: things. you go back and do you go back 500 years and say, well, this family was
1: fortunate enough that they're that their uh, sign of the family went out and uh, slaughtered a whole bunch of other people and
2: uh, took over a crown or became part of the aristocracy. Or well, whatever. take most of the people in the computer industry today. You, most of them started, quote, out of their garages. You know, to use the, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost become a a, a a stereotype in itself.
1: Well, that's yeah. it. You can use the uh, is it uh, ratio Alger? Is that the fellow's name? Alger, you know, yeah. you know, they sort of uh, pull yourself by the up by the straps. I don't think anybody has a dramatic problem with that, although they may have some issues about how far they take that. For instance, we've talked in the past about Bill Gates and some of the things that he's been accused of doing over the years that were pretty unsavory and he finds himself in a lot of legal trouble from time to time. Whether that's part of the Horatio Alger ideal or not, or whether ha- hard work and inspiration and all that should should be what's rewarded.
2: Well, I still don't know what unsavory things he did. I think the unsavory action was on part of the antitrust laws Oh, in, well, in he's the, spo- well, he's stolen
1: States. lots of little companies. He's driven best um, business with predatory pricing. Well, that's vertical, what all uh, companies do, Everybody kind of predatory. That's the well, whole point. I'll of the do my
2: Look at the Royal Bank, for instance, as an example lately. To, to suggest, well, I don't think we have. to you know, predatory very long there are some bad things that, that companies do. It means I'm going to offer you something for less price than the other guy, and you're going to drive them out of business, thing. and then I'm going to double the prices after that. And then, anyway, double the prices, my point is, back is back that
1: this increasing disparity results in a situation where there are a lot of people who are way behind the starting blocks at the start of the race, and that's what I think is perceived as an unfairness. Um, again, though, the other aspect of it, and I was talking to a friend last night about uh, tax policy and economic policy generally and how economic policies, broadly speaking, I, I believe are set so that uh, companies prosper. If you look at an Alan Greenspan, for instance, or uh, um, you know, the Bank of Canada, for instance, the policies that they set, by and large, preserve wealth, I think. I think that they are to create stability for those who have wealth. And again if they have those kinds of advantages going into it, in terms of the way laws are structured, maybe it's not unfair that we have a, a progressive system where they pay a higher but rate of tax. everyone has
2: wealth. Even the poorest person has a given amount of wealth, and he requires the stability of, of his country to protect what little he has. The, inter- the thing, thing know- that interests me about what the Alliance says
1: is, and I hear this from time to time, it seems to me that they might be saying that there should be a flat tax but no deductions, for all the kinds of things that wealthy people have deductions for right now so that they would, in effect, end up paying at least as much tax, if not more, because they can't structure their affairs using all kinds of loopholes and things to lower their tax. Uh, and it, and it, I don't know if that's what they really mean, but I've heard some alliance people say that that's what they understand it to mean. Uh, and again... Well, I know I what I mean
2: by a flat tax is simply a flat tax with a, with a much higher basic personal exemption that applies to everyone, and then whatever you make above that is tax at a flat rate but would you have all the exemptions
1: the then for for films being made in canada or for all kinds of different ways of structuring your affairs uh, taking money offshore permitting that for instance like uh, my understanding is that a lot of very wealthy well, people don't pay much tax at all because of those things
2: you never you know in, in basic principle you don't pay tax on any expense you incur in the creation of your product technically that's mm-hmm. that's, that's the principle and that's i don't consider that a loophole the fact is that we need loopholes today because the government taxes every stage of the whole thing. But we have a lot of films being made in Canada that didn't used to be, and I understand it's because of the tax situation. Right, and some some people would make the films here to actually lose money on purpose, Mm -hmm. because the money they lose on the film saves them more in taxes, Mm -hmm. which is an atrocious situation. That would certainly end. What you would see is people coming to Canada to make money on a film instead of to lose it. And I think that would be a healthy thing. But again, you get into situations for instance, like taxes is so
1: pervasive. In so many ways, um, people are given uh, incentives to to do one thing and disincentives to do another. I look at, for instance, in Canada, there's a lot of competition among municipalities to try and get business to come to their place. So they'll give them all kinds of tax breaks and coming in and build all kinds of things for them and all that
0: stuff. No, 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 they can't do that in Ontario. They can't give them tax breaks. Is that right? No. Oh, good God.
1: No. How are we competing?
0: We're not competing, <laughs> and that's part of the problem. That's one of the problems between uh, the uh, Ontario at the municipal development level and the United States. If you talk to a lot of business people um, in this community, they well everybody has a story that I know somebody, or I was, I have a friend who was approached by a, a, a city in the United States to move his business lock, stock, and barrel, and th- they were gonna, they were going to build the, the new building for him. They were going to give him the land, and they were going to give him a tax advance for ten or fifteen years.
1: So again, yeah, th- those are. The, but I'm trying to remember what happened with the Corell Center in Ottawa. It seems to me you there was some should,
2: debate
0: around they shouldn't that. Shouldn't be
2: allowed to do that because all they're doing is subsidizing these business as, businesses at their taxpayers' expense.
0: Yeah, and there's a. And there's and a if
2: you want an equal playing field, yeah. then every city in North America should pre- be prevented. And, from and there doing is that.
0: a movement in the United States to to stop doing that. Uh, it's but maybe that's a,
1: a quid pro quo. If you get away from a progressive taxation, you say, well, that's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. You also can't have any of those kinds of. Uh, of uh, tax incentives if you want to on call the that.
0: other hand in a free market in a free economy yeah. if the city if the city fathers and mothers in their wisdom say we'd like to attract that industry here we figure we can afford to do this this and this to get them here and in exchange they're going to do this this and this works out for us come on down free building free land no taxes
1: yeah well, that's what used to drive my tax professor uh, crazy in tax class he talked about how the, the taxation system should be a system for revenue gathering only it shouldn't be a system for social policy and yet it is in so many ways. Oh, yeah. The Tax Act mm-hmm. is so thick because, ostensibly, everything that's that's called a loophole is there for a reason. It's not an accident. Mm-hmm. The government said, if you do this, if you structure your affairs with RSPs instead of other types of savings, we'll give you this advantage. Yeah. Theoretically, there's a good policy reason for all these things, although the result is it ends up being so complicated. I think that
2: you know, the, the yes. tax lawyers
1: get rich <laughs> off it. There's always a political <laughs> reason
2: is what the problem is, and uh, there is one of the inherent weaknesses of it. What may, may seem good at first ends up being the government manipulating the economy. And as soon as the government's manipulating uh, the economy, it's not a free market anymore. The money, the capital and the money's not going where it would go. You wouldn't want, for example, a company to move to a city because the city bribed it to go there when really, economically, it would be better for that company to be in another city, say, beside a port, and save themselves rail expenses Mm -hmm. between there and the port or something like that. and you will see things like that occur, and you'll sometimes wonder, why is this business in this town? You know, well, look at it.
1: Las Vegas. You know, Las Vegas, there's no reason for it to be where it is, except that they got rid of tax or the gambling laws, as I understand, in Nevada, mm. in order to create this city. Mm. Uh, Say, so There's, well, there's no geographic reason explicit, why it's advantageous explicit. to go on a vacation in the middle <laughs> of the desert. Yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> we're going to pause for a second in the middle of what is not a desert here today, a very stimulating discussion with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlimmer. This is Talk of the Town, left, right, and center. 1290 CJBK. And then there's more interesting characters with us today, Jeff Schlemmer and Robert Batson We've been talking about uh, wealth and the disparity between rich and poor and tax policy and a variety of other things. We would remind you that the lines are definitely open if you'd like to join us. 643-1290 is that telephone number, star 1290 on the Rogers AT&T cellular. Bob, you made a comment a moment ago that you've, you've raised in this program many, many times. I just want to come back and, and address it for a moment. You talked about predatory pricing, and, uh, and Jeff was talking about the fellow that uh, sets his price so low that he knows he's going to destroy his competitor. He can afford to do that. He can afford to lose money for as long as it takes to put his competitor out of business. Uh, and then once the competitor's out of business, he puts his price way up. And you said, well, then the competitor's back in business again. Well, in fact, that competitor probably isn't in our Maybe economic system. Maybe not that
2: competitor, but another one.
0: <laughs> but is, is because another one may very well come along to, 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 to fill that void, um, have the best interest of the public still been served by allowing that process free reign though? Because mm-hmm. what's happened is, As you've, got, you've got the one competitor who has been driven out of work, so his employees, his family, whoever has been dependen- dependent upon him for sustenance, is likely you could, not always, sometimes you can get out from under sometimes you sell out to the big guy there's lots of examples of people being driven out of business, so th- that guy's out of business for that period of time until somebody else comes along To uh, well, the period of time when the when the winner of that battle puts the price up until such time as somebody comes along with a competitive product that's priced less, you and I as consumers are being penalized. We've got to pay the higher price to the guy who's got the temporary monopoly. Uh, he
2: doesn't have a monopoly until the government gives it to him. And that's the important thing. As long as he knows that someone else out there has the freedom to compete with him, there's a tremendous pressure to keep prices low. There's also the... But the, OPEC, for Well, <laughs> OPEC is government. It's not the free market. Um, <laughs> well, I think it is. Well, no, it's government. Well, it's
1: not. It's it's not companies that keep
0: government. that money. It's companies that keep that money. Well, no, it's, no it's, uh, it's, uh, I'm uh, with Bob in this one. Really I, I think, I think there's more government than commerce involved in OPEC. Well, and,
2: right. and but the point is that that uh, even mm-hmm. when that company is the only company providing a particular product, it can only charge what its market will bear. I mean, you can't charge any price you want. If, if you lose customers, it, let's say they even raise the price by 10%, and then they find they lose 40% of their customers. Yeah,
0: maybe they because won't. Because they
2: can't afford to
0: buy. Maybe the they won't. Maybe they can still afford it. But, well, then know. if
2: they can, and they, then that's what you do, you charge the price the market will bear. And then if you can get away with it, then what you're doing is inviting other people into that realm. You know, one of the things that really bothers me most about this whole antitrust case, uh, Bill Gates, for example, who's being accused of this kind of thing, is that what the U.S. government is doing is essentially entrenching Windows 95 as the operating system of North America and telling the public that this is it and that everything is going to be standardized to this. Now, personally, I think it's a system on its way out losing. It's a bad system. It crashes constantly. It's created a whole industry of its own of people fixing <laughs> problems with it, which are, to me, unacceptable in a realm of business. That This is a bad product. And uh, people around my office will hear me complaining about this every day of the week. And uh, I just see the competition coming up, and they're going to take this away from Bill. But if the government is successful with their antitrust suit, Bill will have a monopoly.
0: Now, how do you, uh, people are listening saying, well, well how can that be? Because they're trying to, they want to break up the monopoly.
2: Because to break it up, they have to regulate it. And to regulate it, they have to pass legislation. And to pass legislation, they've got to create laws that everybody's got to go by. And then it'll be Bill at the top of the heap, believe me. <laughs> but he's going to have this monopoly, just like they've regulated TV and radio. We're, Canada's 30 years behind the times in telecommunications and everything. We used to be at the, at the, front, of the uh, front of the train, now we're at the back. I mean... Uh, Our whole cable system here in this country is so antiquated because we monopolized it, regulated it, controlled it, and we have far fewer choices than would otherwise be available at greater, much, much greater prices.
0: Now we have some interesting things happening in our market here. For example, CRTC has granted a new radio license. There's a new radio station Mm -hmm. coming into the market here, which on the one hand, you know, free market people will say, well, that's great, the more the merrier. The downside is it makes it more difficult for everybody to survive and prosper and and again put food on the table for your families
2: but if you're only surviving and prospering because of the law then you can be sure that you're taking the food off of somebody else's table um, that's how the law is enacted that's what uh, somebody has to pay for the regulators i mean it's nonsensical to regulate the industry beyond the government has a proper role in making sure that you know nobody uses cjbk's uh, transmission frequency and not to interfere with it mm-hmm. that's sort of like rules of the road mm-hmm. but beyond that they have no right to tell anyone who can go in the business who can't what economic arrangements they have to make who should who should be owner of this and who should be owner of that only communist countries do that and well, and canada and, now and well we are communists
1: very much so well look at we uh, can west global now for instance to, I, I assume that you would have no concern if they were able to, to buy every station in canada for instance in every newspaper
2: you see, the issue isn't them. The issue is the right of the newspapers and all the little guys. that I have a right to sell what I created to anybody in the world. If Bill Gates comes to me and wants to buy my business, I don't want some guy out there protecting me, telling me that he's protecting the market, and therefore Bill Gates can't buy my business. There now, goes my business. There goes my Life. life in my savings and that's what's happening in the marketplace but over is it ever, over is over it ever
1: bad to have like an Irving family for instance that, that totally
2: dominate the media and uh, no Bronx one business. can dominate the media in a free no. market the only thing that makes it possible are CRTCs CBCs yeah. And all but exactly, these but, it's, reg-
0: but it's, it's not a free market, and we are seeing that. Oh, we right. are seeing media domination. In right, this country.
2: and that's so. The answer is get rid of the de- regulation, get rid of the government's role in this, get them out of there. They have no place. They're pushing culture on us. They're pushing just nonsense and waste. I go around my cable dial now. I, I have I don't know how many stations. Seventy. I have fewer choices that I would like to watch than I had when I was 15 or 16 years old and you only went around the dial and got a few uh-huh. Americans. Well, Conrad,
1: Conrad Black is not going to say that he was able to amass all these newspapers because of government. He would say he did it in spite of government. Like, I don't understand mm-hmm. that. And it seems to me that, uh, again, the question is whether is there ever a point where it's bad just to leave it? alone and not think about whether there's concentration.
0: You know, gentlemen, I'm afraid we have to leave it alone today. We have literally run out of time. I Can want to thank both time? of you. Yes, yeah, we'll look forward <laughs> well, to that. Thank I you think very much. there's lots more unexplored territory here. My thanks to Bob Metz and Judge Lemmer. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. And we hope to see them both back very, very soon on left, right, and center. News is next in 1290 CJBK, on the other side of which Stockwell Day, we understand, is going to be joining us on his birthday today. So, Ryan, get ready to sing him Happy Birthday. Uh, That's ahead, as is Ask the Experts, with Laurie Rowe from Financial Strategies Group. Lots more coming your way in 1290 CJBK. In the meantime, here's Tara with the news.